We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of female celebrities. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I'm a TV writer, comedian, and filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. Now, this week we are book clubbing Tunde Oyanin's memoir titled Speak. If you don't know Tunde, I'm going to read the tagline of the book and give you a second to guess how you might know her. Here it is. Okay. Speak. Find your voice, trust your gut, and get from where you are to where you want to be. Think about it. Think about it. Yes, we are riding Peloton today. I clearly don't ride, but Tunde is one of their most famous instructors. I knew about her despite uh, not being on the bike. And she's so famous. This book is going to give you changing your life moments, failures, like two almost reality TV shows, a crazy ass boyfriend, and a lot of inspiration. So it's indoor cycling. You clip into the bike, all of that. By the time that I'd Purchased the water bottle, the towel, the seat. I was $40 deep. Judging myself for spending $40 on a workout. <laughs> oh, no. 45 minutes later, I'm in a state of euphoria. I'm walking back to my hotel room. My walk turns into a, a skip. My skip turns into a hop. Within a matter of five seconds, I'm laughing and crying all Aww. within the same breath. It's almost as if this blue wave of energy moved through my body. I felt it from my fingers all the way down to my toes. And after my very first first cycling class, I knew that I'd be cycling forever. I knew that I'd be teaching it. And without even knowing what Peloton was at the time, I knew that I'd be teaching it on the world's biggest platform. And we are diving into everything today with my incredible guests, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Hi, you guys. Hi. Hi. So 
so excited to be here. I'm so excited you guys are here. Amy, you really popped forward with like a little hand movement. <laughs> I, no, I did jazz hands. Jam, yeah, you jazz hands your way onto it. I, I loved it. Amy is very um, expressive. I, <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect for a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> um, I want to give your guys bio because you have an incredible podcast called The Antidote. And you guys, I just went on Instagram and I asked for recommendations of podcasts. And so many people wrote in about your podcast. <gasps> Um, that makes me so yeah, like, happy. Yes. And it's still fairly fairly new. Yeah. So to have so like many people three recommending. Months? Yeah, yeah, three, three months. months. I mean, oh, you guys are like, it's a baby podcast. Yeah, baby. Everyone's favorite baby. Well, it's amazing. Amy and Grace are best friends, comedy writers, producers, hosts of the podcast, where they share the culture that lights them up and brings them joy during these crazy times. The tagline alone, I'm like, yep. I need that. That's the podcast I want. Yeah. <laughs> they formerly worked together on HBO's Insecure, and their credits include many different hit shows like Silicon Valley, Two Dope Queens, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and I know them from many, many other shows. Your your resumes are too long to fit in a bio. I'm glad you truncated them. It would have been the whole pod, honestly. <laughs> it honestly would have. And maybe you Amy, come back and just do queen. that. <laughs> Um, you can't keep so, people here all night. <laughs> right? I mean, we could do a two-parter if we had to. Um, so I introduce all my guests on the podcast with the story of how we first met. So Amy, first, do you remember how we first met? I think it was at your stand-up, like you were doing stand-up. I feel like I saw you perform. No? It's, that's true, but we met before then. So <gasps> Wait, I need to know. I, love, I never know origin stories. Anytime anyone, like even Grace and I were like, how did we meet? We, 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 have we no don't idea. know. We still don't We know. don't know. Yeah. So I'm That's really beautiful. To hear. That's beautiful. You guys yeah. don't know. Okay. No, it's like we've always um, known each other. Uh, <laughs> so we, I, I knew how much you meant to Yasser. So I'd known of you like him. previously. And I was always like, I can't wait to meet Amy. And weirdly, I had been in, you know, when you come to LA for the first time, you go on these generals and then executives mm-hmm. pepper in who they love. So, and they were like, we love Amy Aniobi. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I, so I was always, I, I watched your web series, like <gasps> been a big fan. Yeah. Oh Chelsea! yeah. Chelsea! I love it. school. It's fantastic. <laughs> and um, an early adapter of Amy Aniobi. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. I'm a late adopter of Amy, so this is really <laughs> impressive. I'm not sold on me. Thank you. Thank you for buying in early. I was all in. And then uh, for the Emmys, when year, we got invited to a wild party that a big agency hosts, and they have something that no one else calls it this, but I call it Pizza Road, where you walk down like uh, yes. a mile long <laughs> yes. wow. road, and there's just gourmet multiple pizza. Multiple types of pizzas. Yeah, multiple types of being there's handed There's like gluten-free, you. there's vegan. Yes, <laughs> just for the walk. Yeah. Just for the- Just and because you get hungry along this stroll. Along Wait. the stroll, that's like just to the house, to the mansion. I can't Holy call it shit, I remember that. It's how come I've never been ex- invited to this fucking walk? Well, I, no, I definitely wasn't supposed to be there. But I got in with Yasser and I went down Pizza Road and I was like, that I got to go back up that road soon. And we were leaving yes. the party went back up Pizza Road. Yes. I'm still grabbing pizza. Like, it's just like, I'll never eat again. <laughs> yeah. And you were at the end of Pizza Boulevard. Just and getting we, started. Yeah. <laughs> one slice in hand, one slice in teeth. Yes. And we both had pizza. We were shoving pizza in our mouth. And I was like, you're Amy Etiobi. I, I remember. Oh my God. That was such a magical night. That was the first and last time I was ever invited to that party. And so it was like, 
That was, I was like, I'm in, I'm in the inner circle. And then I was immediately <laughs> booted out. Well, you know what though? I think the pandemic happened. Like, I don't oh, think- Oh, that's true. I don't that's I think why I think it was when Grace closed. Was, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. pizza road closed no, because it's I mean, unsanitary. Honestly, we're all touching yeah. the same pizza. That's great. Honestly, I'd do it again in a second. You in a in an uptick, I'd go to pizza road. I actually think I was invited to that party, and then that day I got really sick and I couldn't go. Oh, I love that. You I was like, here. I need an invite. And you're yeah. like, fuck y'all. I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Grace, do you remember how we first met? I would think it was I'll when do- me and Amy went to see your stand up. That's right. Yeah. Okay, Amy, you gave Grace the hint, but I'm sorry, Amy, I had met you on Pizza Road, but Grace, I felt like I had, we had this little moment. It's okay if you don't feel the same. You don't have to admit it, but we met outside the show and I had this feeling of like, I bet we'd be great friends. And then I was like, well, I'll never see her again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though, where you're like, if, yes. if our lives were together, we'd be really good we friends. We were, I mean, there's still time. I, I live here now. There's still time. We, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. It can happen yes. for us. I believe it in can us. Um, okay. So tell me, when I begged you to come on this podcast uh, and you chose Tune Day's memoir, what made you choose this book out of all the books? Well, mm. I will answer Go that uh, because uh, Tune Day is um, the person I probably spend the most time with. Um, I got a Peloton, oh, wow. like many people, during the pandemic because I was too scared to go to the gym because, you know, it might mean death uh, at that time. So I did what a lot of people did, and I got a Peloton bike. And, um, yeah, I was trying out all the different um, teachers. And, um, I don't know, there's just something about her, her smile, her energy, her stories. I just really responded to her. She's really, really hard to work out with. But I enjoy the challenge and I'm obsessed with Tune Day. We interviewed Tune Day on our podcast. I saw um, that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, and we went to her book tour. So I was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're both Tune Day fans now. And Amy, do you Peloton? No, not at all. Okay. I don't ride, um, but I knew about Tune Day from Grace. She had talked about her. And I was like, and I'm a big supporter in whatever you do to keep you healthy and happy. So I was like, even though I don't know Peloton, I love that she leads so many people towards health, both mental and physical wellness. And when she was on our podcast, she literally made me cry because everything she said was so meaningful and beautiful. And I was like, I cannot wait to read her book. So you actually gave me an excuse to read it, (laughs) which was nice. A book podcast, a podcast that says, please come on to read a whole book first. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, she said such beautiful things to us. Like at one point, she's just like, girls, when you're breaking through glass ceilings, that there are people behind you, they don't know about the scars that you endured because they never seen the glass. And I was just like, what? (laughs) Oh my God. Should I tattoo that on my right breast I mean, (laughs) there are people behind you who don't know the scars. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So I loved reading this book because her collaborator is Hillary Lifton, who I, she also wrote, um, Tori Spelling's books. Ah, she also ah. wrote Mackenzie Phillips' book. She's oh written a God. lot of them. She was on this podcast. She's <gasps> phenomenal. So um, very excited to read that. And I want to start by reading one of the p- first paragraphs in the preface. And it, it I, I immediately was like, oh, I am taking a Peloton class. Like it's a, it's a Peloton class, I think in a book. Um, she Ooh. said, 
This is this is the very first paragraph of the introduction. Okay. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter what we are going through or whether we've asked for it, we all have that one moment, a moment when you see clearly how your life might change. The only decision you have to make is if you're going to pay attention to the fact that it's there. Mm. And I was like, okay, I am in class. Yes. <laughs> right? And like, okay, is that how rides happen, Grace? Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of motivation. Um and then also just we she and I have very similar tastes in music. So it's like it's it's playing some like ratchet like 90s R&B when that happens or 90s hip hop I should say. Um when she just hits you with some inspiration. So yeah, yeah. I love that. She, I, she peppers it in for sure. As she was writing this book, I wrote in the um I wrote in the corner um is being a Peloton instructor being a workout DJ? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it is. I've never done Peloton. It, but it sounds like it is. Yeah, you're like a workout. Yeah, teacher, yeah. Right? You, you're really you're you're motivating people. You're letting them know to keep going. They say things like your mind is your strongest muscle. Like Ooh. you've survived a hundred percent of your bad days. Like you know, it's it's motivation, and then it's also you know riding to that beat, getting that really fire playlists firing up. So yeah, it's a workout DJ for sure. Yeah, I was like, oh, the playlist is important. We'll get to it later when she's talking about her auditions. Mm -hmm. But like the music she was, like her music choice was part of the Peloton audition. I was like, oh no, you have to have good taste in yeah. music. Like I'll definitely never be a Peloton instructor. <laughs> um, so she also begins by talking about how she had this blue light moment in New York yeah. City once where she takes a spin class for the first time and this blue light washes over her and she has this deep knowing that she is going to be a, an instructor mm -hmm. and have one of the largest platforms in the world. And this is before Peloton becomes what it is. Yeah. So she's having this like four years before and has this like blue light moment. I always joke that there's a psychic moment in every memoir. I, mm -hmm. I feel like that the blue light is the one is yeah, in this one. It is. Have you guys had moments like that in your life? Yeah, a hundred percent. And then like, I feel like she's just like a magical being. Like when you see, like when you read the book and you see all the things that have sort of manifested good and bad in her life, it's like, she does feel like she has like a connection to a higher power or being or, or something. She just has all these premonitions that ultimately do come true. But yes, um, you know, I, I told my mom when I was eight years old, I walked up to her and I was just like, I'm going to work on TV. And she's just like, okay, girl. <laughs> like I was like in Michigan, immigrant parents, there's no reason why I thought that I could or I should do that. It's not something that I even considered. Wow. But like, yeah, or even would have known was a job. No, right? no, I was just eight. So yeah, I, I definitely have had that. moments throughout my life where I felt like sort of a blue light moment um, come to pass. Like things that I've seen yeah. that have actually come, come to pass. I love it because like there are times where, you know, I say like affirmations and stuff in the mornings and very often I feel there are times where I'm skeptical of the words I'm saying. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going through the motions and hopefully the more you do it, the more you believe it. But then like, I love times, myself. I believe yeah, in exactly. Myself. I'm great. I'm going to get where I want to go, whatever. And then, but then there are times where these rare times where I say it and it is a fact where I'll be like, I'm going, I remember I, like way back when I was trying to get staffed and I was doing all the things to get my first staff writing job. And I was just like, I am getting staffed this year. And that was like an affirmation I used to say to myself. And then one day I said it and I was like, oh, it's, oh, 
it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I know. Ugh. It just I felt it, and then it yes. happened, and I was like, oh. And I I don't know like when those moments happen. It's almost like you're the universe catches up to you, like making shit up, and the universe is like, okay, you keep saying this, okay. You know that's how it <laughs> felt. So. It's different from Toon Days. I think Toon Days, it kind of came out of nowhere for her. Yeah. Um, and I guess my feelings that are similar to those blue light moments kind of don't come out of nowhere because they're kind of like things I've been ruminating mm. on. Yeah. But when it happens, that clarity, it feels so nice. And the way she describes it as a blue light moment, I really yeah. enjoyed. I, I did too. Also, I, I love that you say the affirmation so many times you don't feel it, but then the moments when you do, because I think sometimes you can do affirmations for five days and you think to yourself like, okay, this isn't working. You move on yeah. versus like sticking with it. When I read this in her book, I said, I've had one of these and I, it was, I was in college uh, for acting, which is a bummer. It was Halloween. <laughs> Me too, girl. Everyone was out. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough, right? I have a BFA in acting, okay? What is it? Same. What has it done for me? For whom? <laughs> same. And it was Halloween and everyone was like partying because they were in college and I was just such a loser. And I was like in my dorm room and I was just sobbing and journaling as you do on Halloween. And I was like really thinking like this is like too hard and awful. And the journal page, because I have it, obviously, it's yeah. just like, um, <clears throat> this is horrible. This is horrible. Like, this is this is so hard. And like, what am I going to do for money? And like, what have I done? And all of a sudden, I just had this intense feeling that was like, I just popped up off the desk and it was like, you're going to be okay and this is going to work. Mm-hmm. And I like wrote it in the journal. And That's I was like, so cool. and I felt it and I closed it and went away. And then, you know, of course, like 10 years later, it's like, Dang. Oh, yeah. Dang Halloween night. Whatever wow. witch came to yeah. me. She <laughs> was right. That was witchcraft. I love it. Witchcraft. <laughs> but I loved it about Chindi's moment too because she has this years before that ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But it, but it, haven't you ever had that feeling of like when you've done something that's supposed to be in your purpose, like the first time you do it, like it, it, it does feel like how she describes. Like I remember yeah. once... I had written and was producing and starring in a web series. And I remember one morning I woke up and I was just like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is what, this Mm -hmm. is it. This is it. So it's sort of like the doing of the thing or whatever. Sometimes it just brings that like, oh, the rightness. It feels like you've dropped into your purpose. That's such a good point. And she talks a lot about purpose in the book too, of like these moments of clarity she has and it's the moment where she's living her purpose. So tell me if this comes, does speak come up a lot in her Peloton classes or was this like specific to the book? Because the book is titled Speak and then she breaks it down. The S is for surrender, then it's power, empathy, authenticity, knowledge as sort of like a way of life. Um, She doesn't necessarily talk about it so much in her Peloton classes. Um, she does, she, like, as she describes in the book, she has um, some speak up rides. Like the first one she did was after George uh, Floyd um, was murdered. But yeah, so she does these speak up rides, which are really beautiful, just really talking about, you know, the struggle, you know, that we've all been going through um, forever, but, you know, that has become uh, really prevalent in this country in the last two years since George Floyd's um, murder. Um, But uh, so she talks about like, so she talks about in those kind of rides, but most of it is like, it's pretty like most of her rides are 
really upbeat. You know, sometimes she shares like sadder things like about her parents. Like I remember I was taking a ride on her mother's birthday one day and she talked about it being her mom's oh birthday gosh. and um, wow. talking to her mom and stuff. But for the most part, like most of her rides are super upbeat. She's just trying to motivate people, having fun on the bike. She loves to dance on the bike. So sometimes she'll that. like stop pedaling and she'll like go all the way back and all the way forward. So riding with her is like mostly just like a joyful experience because you can tell she loves it. She loves to push people. She loves the music she chooses. Um, you know, she's done everything from pop rides to metal rides to um, Afro beats. Um, so usually it's... I'm going to be so mad if you get me back on I'm just Peloton. telling like, you. I'm thinking about it. it. Just do it. Mixed with her because you know like, what, Chelsea? You don't have to get on the bike. Even if you have the bike, mm. there are cardio classes. There's bar. But not with tuned in. There's, but, well, she with does she does strength classes. So, oh, okay. uh, and, and Amy, Amy, what do you we, think? Should we get the and <laughs> she does she does these bike boot camps. So if you don't like to spend the entire type on time on the bike, she, you do like seven minutes at the top, and then you get off and you do weights. And then you get back on for like five ten minutes, and you're done. So like, God damn it, I am so mad at you, Grace. I'm so, I'm getting inspired Listen, and I'm mad. You're a Pelotonian now. I I I love oh, no. that shit. I won't. I'm I'm not. Not shy about how much I love pet time. No, I like I like it. Um, <laughs> so the book starts in her childhood with this. I love when memoirs do this, which is they share just one great story from their childhood. Mm-hmm. So it's not like oh, in the mornings my mom would make this and blah, blah blah. She shares this just very poignant story that tells you everything. And she's in her aunt's wedding, mm-hmm. yes. and she's uh, going to be in the wedding. And they've picked out the dresses that all the girls are going to wear who are in the wedding. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to David's bridal to try on her size dress, which is size 18, and it doesn't fit. And they are thinking of like, oh, well, we'll get another dress or or you can change to this other dress. And the other dress she can change to is like a prettier, cuter dress. But she's like, no, I want to be in the goddamn ugly dress with everyone else or they're going to yeah. know that like I didn't fit into this dress. Mm-hmm. And it goes into like how that was her life growing up and how she saw herself and how people saw yeah. her and how this like leads to this journey of like getting healthier. Um, but I I related so hard to that moment of like, it's like the school uniform that you can't fit in, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, or like the little cheerleader thing. And like, you're like, no, I want to fit in it. Uh, like <laughs> even though it's gross. <laughs> uh, actually, it made me think of bridesmaids dresses. Oh, yeah. Like the yes. time when I had to wear bridesmaids dresses that tied nine different ways and I had to unfold the ties and sew them together so they'd cover my bra. Oh my I God. Couldn't. Yeah, you're you know like, this I mean? isn't working for me. Yeah, yeah. It's like who can tie a dress without a bra? Like that's a crime. Yeah. Um, but it makes you feel so fucking ugly. Like not it's fitting impossible. into the thing everyone else is doing. Exactly. It's And especially when you're a kid and you're growing up, it's like, you want to conform. You want to wear the wear the weird barrette in your hair that everyone else is wearing. You know, it's like, even if it doesn't make any sense. But what I loved about even that story is she does talk also about how it. she realized that even in her journey to be like, oh, I want to get healthy, that she was like, I was still that girl who was hiding even though I had like got skinny over the summer. Like it made me think of that show. In their show, that's like the summer I got pretty. Or yeah, something. yeah. Literally the title. It yeah. is. <laughs> And I'm like, that's what happened to her. But she was like, oh, but I had to work on me. Like, it was just exterior packaging. I still had to work 
on me and be okay with dancing, even if I didn't know how to dance and love my arms um, and all those things. And I, I like that it didn't just stop with the like, I lost the weight and then I got confident because I was like, yeah. I, and I, I was like, if it went that way, I think I'd feel very differently um, about that chapter in her life. But it was really beautiful that she was just like, oh, yes. it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. yeah. And then what I also loved about that um, particular story was how her mother reacted. Yes. A lot of moms that be like, well, girl, you better get on that treadmill. But she's just like, if it bothers you, then you have to make a change. And also like the way that she bought another dress and sewed the two together so Tunde could have mm-hmm. the same dress as everyone else. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if that isn't a mother's love or whatever, um, that's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, she she said, if it bothers you, but it, it wasn't, you mm-hmm. know, some others are like, and it bothers me. Yeah. You know, there was so much acceptance in it. And this is maybe the only memoir I've read where someone could list things like this, like weight and things like that, that didn't feel like, triggering, upsetting. Mm -hmm. Like the way she writes about it is so beautiful and in like such a healthy way, even though she is talking about weight and like health and things like that. It wasn't in a way that makes you so angry at everything. (laughs) Yeah, because she didn't talk negatively about her body, which was just so Mm -hmm. great because she's just like, yes, I was heavier than other people, but, you know, but she doesn't ever say that she was like gross or, you know what I'm saying? No, no. The biggest detail is they just don't have a dress. Yeah, yeah. 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 And like, that's the, yeah, absolutely. And then the the one thing I'll flag is that then she said, it, it, it was very funny. She was like, it was a lot easier to get skinnier in LA. And I was like, yeah, I fucking bet. Yeah. Like, she was like, <laughs> you know, where everyone around you is like, I'm kombucha leaf greens yeah, Texas today. Texas is wild. Texas yeah. is wild. Because I'm, I'm from Texas too. And it's just literally like, you go to school and pizza is considered a vegetable. And like, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a snack bar that gives free nachos away an hour before lunch. Like, it's just like, they're out here being like, would you like to make it to 50? We don't want you to. <laughs> um, and then you come to LA and you're like, salads? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So. You want to split a salad? You're like, split. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, okay, so we have to talk about her story of how she, gets to LA, mm-hmm. which is so wild. So yeah. she gets really into makeup as a way to express herself. And she's very into makeup. She's in college. And her two friends, Kim and Christy, live in LA. And this is Kimber- Kimberly Kim Codwell. Kimberly Caldwell. Yes. Yeah. I was like, what? I literally didn't know that <laughs> when I was reading it. I was like, why should you talk about this Kim girl? <laughs> <laughs> She obsessed with Kim. No, I remember because I, because like, I didn't watch American Idol for that many seasons, but this was while I was still kind of tapped in because I really, I loved Ruben Sutter. So I think it was his season. Oh yeah, which is season two, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And and Kimberly lost to Ruben. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I, yeah, I loved it. And they're living in LA, they're living their lives and they say to her, you should just, uh, she came to visit and they said, you should just stay. Like, you should live in L.A. and drop out of college mm-hmm. and pursue makeup. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I will. I, I did need, that. like, 10 more chapters on Again, this. and her mom was so fucking great. Her mom was just like, uh, you know what? I don't want you to have any regrets in life, so go. And I was so just like, what? It. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally yeah. like, what? I kept on waiting for trauma to drop. It was like, yeah. no, your parents no? Just love you. And no, the world gave her plenty, but her pa- it sounds like yeah, her exactly. parents, uh, her parents were really great. Yeah. 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 And then 
even crazier is that she's like, yeah, I will move to LA. And her friends set her up with an internship for like a very famous um, makeup artist who's like working on this show. And so she's coming to LA with a job, with a path, (laughs) with a trajectory. She's literally on the way when they call her and they're like, hey, so um, that makeup artist you were going to work for, they got fired. Uh, You're definitely driving towards nothing. And Tune Day doesn't turn back. She yeah. keeps mm-hmm. going and she knows that something is for her yeah. in LA. And and the chapters where she's just hanging out with Kim and Christy in LA were I one of my favorite chapters. Yeah, they were yes. they have such a beautiful friendship, the three of them. Yeah. And they're just like they're just like funning around, and like putting on makeup and like hanging out and like going going out to clubs. It was great. And then this this also really made me laugh. Twice in Toonday's life, she's about to be on a reality show. Yes. I was like, that's the thing that was so nuts about those years is she came so, she was like, and then we had a meeting for a reality show. It was about us. Um. <laughs> it was with Ryan Seacrest and it was called yeah. Crashing with the Caldwells. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on, that was a big deal. You hear the deal. And it's like, wait, you were going to be a reality star? Like, you know, a platform was like always coming for Tune Day because she's constantly a person. And she just has shows. like uh, all these breaks. Like, re- remember when she like won a car and like she yes. won Deal or No yes, Deal? She won a car on Deal or No Deal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's charmed. She, truly. And I mean, when we when she was like, so then I'm going Deal or No Deal. And I was like, wait, what? The craziest thing about the Deal or No Deal thing to me is that I, she has like a brother who's going to be in the audience as yeah. her, you know, in her family mm-hmm. box. The show <laughs> fixes his chipped tooth. Yeah, that's that's what, what was nuts. That's what I didn't understand. What? I was like, I've worked in a lot of TV before. What and so maybe the reality thing is different. Yeah, yeah, your family member's tooth on a, on a game show? It's also crazy because I'm like, they could have been like, mm, I don't know, Snaggletooth over here. We choose a different family. Because every That's day right. people are lining up to me on Deal or yes, No Deal. Yes. But instead they're like, no, we are fixated on this one so much so. I'm getting a cosmetic dentist. An emergency dentist. <laughs> yes, a cosmetic dentist to come and give <laughs> this boy a new tooth. Come to the studio. And, and he didn't want it. He was like, I don't want you to touch my tooth, but I'll do it for Tunday. <laughs> um, and then the... There's a lot of tragedy that she yeah. goes through. So um, one of the things that she goes through is that her younger brother, Top 8, dies. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how she had bought him this car with the money she had Like a month ago, yeah. She was, yeah, and, and how he was the baby of the family and yeah. they all had to work for everything. And her mom wanted her to get him the car. And she was like, but we all had to work, but she goes through with it anyway. And then she's so happy she did. It really did make me think about the moments in my life too, where I think of like, well, I had to work for everything. And it's like, just, just give. Mm-hmm. Just give. Just give. Just give. Um, it kind of makes me think of people who are like, I paid for college, so I don't want debt to be yeah, forgiven. Yeah. And I'm like, what? But why not just make it easier for the next generation? Yeah. Don't we deserve a soft oh life? Oh my gosh. You're so, that's, I needed to hear this. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I definitely, you see those people who, yeah. who want people to have debt. And you're like, that's ridiculous. But then when when you're in your own family, you're like, I'm sorry, wait, what? Wait, you get no driven curfew? to, to yeah. the, you know, walk? <laughs> like, you know, like, no, you got to walk. And yeah, it, it, it's, it, it, was, it was a really beautiful um, chapter, how she wrote about him. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, she talks about Kelly Ripa. Doing a little segment on the morning show where she talks about this new thing 
got spin class. <laughs> and so Kelly hilarious. is the one who tells her to, you know, tells her about it. And she takes her first spin class where she has this moment. And when she's telling her friend Christy about the class, Christy cries. Yeah. And she's like, why are you crying? And Christy's such a good friend to her. She said, I've just never heard you talk about something that was so right for you. I was like, what a friend. Mm-hmm. What a friend to see you so clearly, you know? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, like no one, like one thing you can say about Toon Days, like, like you said, she's been through an enormous amount um, of trauma and loss in her life. It feels like the people that she does surround herself with, you know, with the exception of a couple of her exes, like seem to just be- We're getting to she's them. still friends with. Yeah, and <laughs> we're getting to that. We're getting to that. But it seems like she's surrounded, she's- chosen great people to have around her it sounds like yeah yeah Yeah. and and her female friendship is just like next level Mm -hmm. um i you said that you both took a drink it was really beautiful (laughs) um great people to have in their life Um, so she starts uh, teaching classes at this other smaller studio Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. peloton it's another studio and she's kind of just getting her feel for becoming an instructor. Mm-hmm. And she has other friends helping her, being like, we'll book the room out for you. Like, we're going to make this happen for mm-hmm. you. And then a little man, not a little, a very strong man named Cody Rigsby <laughs> DMs her. <laughs> and again, I'm not of Peloton culture. I know. But every, everybody knows I Cody. Know yeah. Who yeah. hasn't? Yeah. And he DMs her and says we think you should audition for Peloton, mm-hmm. at, which one, very cool and wild, but two, how much of your business happens in DMs these days? Because I feel like all business happens in DMs. Right? I mean, I, I maybe I should be checking my DMs because <gasps> yes! like, I don't, I never check those request ones, but every time I do, oh, yeah. I either see something I don't want to see or it's somebody asking <laughs> me for something, you know, no, don't, exactly. don't nobody uh, ever offer anything. <laughs> oh, it's you know, always people asking for things. Yeah. They want to pick your brain. Yes, uh, yeah. They love to pick a brain. They love. Can I pick your brain? Some people will just straight up ask me, "Can I give you my script?" I was like, "No, <laughs> sir, sir, no." Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir 
but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes. But, you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Um, but when, when he does DM her, I was like, oh my gosh. So she gets this opportunity to go and audition mm-hmm. to be a Peloton instructor. And pretty quickly into this journey that she yeah. that she started on. And I want to read um, a little bit of the page. First off, she has to make a playlist to audition with. I, that's where I would be out. I'd be like, okay, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm I, like, can't, ah, I can't be doing playlists. So yeah, hard. And she, um, she starts with Fleetwood Max Rhiannon, which, incredible. what a song. Incredible. Uh, incredible. Very and confident start. She says, every po- every Peloton instructor is an Avenger with their own style and energy, and I wanted to show mine. Um, she puts together this playlist, and then she talks about when she sees the other instructors, a line of 40 people were waiting to take a picture with them. And she thought to herself, like, this blue light moment has led me here to this Peloton edition, and how, and how everything happens perfectly in the audition. Like, she just mm-hmm. crushes it. She crushes and it. And so she does this perfect audition. She was DM'd. She has this blue light moment. Everything yeah. has led her to this moment. She doesn't get it. Yeah. I got to be honest, best part of the book. Yes, Because I didn't see that coming. And I was like, holy shit. And I, like, I, I, in our careers, we are met with so much rejection. And literally the fact that she knew she fucking killed it and she didn't get it. I was like, holy shit. And then I kept on thinking, oh, how she's going to spin this and make it positive. And she didn't. She had an entire chapter, maybe two, about wallowing in the misery of not getting it. And I was, it was so fucking relatable. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, every now and then the universe says yes. And then sometimes it's like, nah. And then sometimes it's like, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Because she used that to sort of propel herself forward at the other studio. Like, um, so she like mm, did, true. she talked to the owner. It's, can I take on more, you know? So, she, and she quit her makeup and job. she quit her yeah. makeup job and she moved in with her besties, Kim and Christy and, um, was on their couch. And I'm just like, damn, those are some good ass friends, you know? Yeah. 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 But they saw her yeah. clearly. Mm-hmm. They saw that she was destined for greatness yeah. to do this. And w- I should also mention, she's like a hugely successful makeup artist. Yeah. yeah. She's doing celebrities. She's teaching courses for this brand. Like she's a yeah. big deal makeup artist. This is not uh, what she thought her purpose was. Like she thought she was a makeup artist and, mm-hmm. but the career is really grinding on her and she keeps being drawn towards being a workout instructor, which if you're not one of the Peloton people, granted, I, I guess I don't know for sure, but 
I don't think that career matches up with being a famous makeup artist <laughs> unless you're on Peloton. You can't just go teach spin classes and it's the same, you know? So she really was taking a huge risk. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, she was not taking the risk for Peloton. She was taking the risk yeah. for this smaller studio that could not offer her enough money to like really live. So yeah. it was yeah. so it's so interesting because we've all dealt with our share of I thought I was going to get it this time but oh man I didn't you know mm. and there's two ways yeah. you can deal with that you can she did wallow in it for a moment but she also changed her life too it's it's not like she like made like was moved into inaction by that that yeah. disappointment yeah. she was still trying to move herself towards the blue light but maybe not in the way that she expected it to go. She just was yeah. improved, was like unwittingly improving herself to get that same job later. Right. I like, yeah. I just like that she honored the sadness, like mm -hmm. honored the grief. Like yeah. she wasn't like, and then I just, you know, bounced back and said, tomorrow's a better day. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. all the things that you expect. Like she literally was like, I was miserable. And yes, I had this great job. And yes, I was doing this but I still had seen this thing so clearly yeah. and it didn't come true. Mm -hmm. So I was fucking miserable. And I'm like, that to me, I, I've, I've just felt that feeling. Yeah. And like, Same. it Same. just felt so like, oh, okay, maybe the answer that I heard as no was not yet. Yeah, like, yeah. She thought it was a no, but it turned out to be a not yet. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. Maybe there's, <laughs> maybe it's okay to feel something so strongly and you don't get it. And maybe it's actually a not yet and you just have to keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah. Also to every to everyone on the Zoom, um, you, you are all people who like have done such great things. Uh, you're all people. There's two people here. Um, but but, <laughs> but you've you done too. So, you too. Three, three of us. Three of us. Three of us. Three of us. But to have felt that like, yeah. I'm obliterated by this failure yeah. mm -hmm. and I, I was supposed to be doing this and everything was set for it. And to also know how the story turns out, you go right. on and do great things. It's like, yeah, that, that really is it, the not yeah. yet. And she wrote this advice um, that her friend Jade gave her, which she said, there's one thing I know, if an opportunity doesn't come, it's because something better is around the corner. Yeah. And mm -hmm. while that sounds maybe basic, I wrote, Below that, uh, I needed to hear this today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It's so true. Oh, yeah. I really, I really do feel it. like it, if it's your purpose, it is true. I mean, I had one of the biggest disappointments right before I got my first staffing job. Like, I, wow. I remember just crying. Like, I was mm -hmm. living in New York and I, it was like December and it was so cold that my tears were freezing on my face. Oh my gosh. But I couldn't, oh I couldn't get on the train. I was too upset. I was just like, I can't get on the train right now. I, I, yeah. I don't want to like people looking at me crying. And, and you know, when you're walking through the streets of New York, like nobody, nobody is no. looking at you. You know day. what I'm saying? Yeah. So <laughs> I was just, just like, let me face. just, let me just walk. And by the time I got to the train station, there was this sadness that didn't go away for, you know, probably a month, but it like pushed me into action and it like made me take the script that I was already working on. And I was like, I have to make this perfect because I can't have anyone have this power over my emotions ever again. I have to make my work wow. so undeniable that I, I can stop feeling this feeling. And literally did that in December. I gave it to my manager in January. I was staffed by February. So, wow. um, look at that. I love that, that advice so much too, because I, uh, I, that is 
I mean, I should be, if anyone DMs you to pick your brain, just send them <laughs> to this time marker. Yes. <laughs> but, but that thing where you can, you make your own work so undeniable that even if it doesn't work out for you, you can let it go because you know for a fact you're incredible mm-hmm. yeah. is sort of, is like the thing you have to reach for because I feel like the pain comes when you you do know maybe you're not good enough yeah. yet. And other fucks of things happen all the time. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you can, because definitely that happened for me too. When I reached the mm-hmm. moment where I I was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is yes. amazing. So it kind of doesn't matter whether it happens or not because I know I've reached the level and and now mm-hmm. what now it really is up to the universe. It's no longer yeah, up to me. A thousand right. percent. Right. Beautifully yeah. put. Um, okay, so then <laughs> she's riding at this other place. She quit her makeup job. She's on the couch. Who comes back into the DMs? It's Cody Rigsby. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> come on back and audition again. She's like, okay. And she asks what to do different this time because obviously she didn't get it. And he says nothing, which would infuriate me. I would, I would, be, I would be mad. Like, I would be mad. Something. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like, no, there was, there was a reason. So like, let's, yeah. you know, spell it out. She goes back, she does the audition, and she gets it. She After she has to go through like 12 interviews in one day. Like, Yeah, yeah that's like, wild. You know, again, I'm over here dragging Peloton. I don't mean to, but I'm just like, 12? Yeah, like, <laughs> like I'm like, what? Yeah, what she's gone from interview to writer. interview, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was just like, well, you know, because there really is, it is really an elite exclusive club. Because when you think about the the actual instructors, there's maybe like, I don't know, like 15 of them. Like, yeah. like in, in oh. cycling and maybe a, a, like two or three more, you know? So it's a very right. small, small group of people. I don't know the exact number of how many instructors that they have, mm. but I can't imagine it would be more than 20. Yeah, that, that, that wow. feels right. And it is, it's, a, it's an incredible job to have. And this is even before Peloton blows up even more mm-hmm. um, in the pandemic. She gets the job and kind of, not simultaneously, but pretty close to it, she shows her arms, which she's now famous for. Yeah. She's yeah. famous for having the most desired arms in the First world. First of all, mind blown, because literally yes. those are her most popular classes. So yeah, she does- arms classes. Yeah, she does one a month or whatever. So she does one arms and light weights. And she just launched a program um, that is arms with Tunde, which is like with heavier weights. So- her arms are like Michelle Obama arms. They're just like aspirational. So it was surprising to me that she ever felt anything but love for them. So it was, that was an yeah, yeah. Because it was that that those gross years that we all grew up in, where the only arms that were considered beautiful were yeah. like just exactly. like you know just Six. two little toothpicks. Yeah. Like you weren't supposed to have arms that could lift anything mm-hmm. or, no. you know, open a door and walk out. Um, and <laughs> you so, a man to do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he decides when you come and go, only he can <laughs> hold the knob. Um, and so, yeah, so she, and and her arms are are muscly and like firm and, and she thought those were bad qualities because of our stupid culture. And so she wears a tank top and it's like a hard thing for her and she's worried that it'll, it won't be seen as like beautiful or feminine and yet cut to everyone loving it, which yeah. also took me back to all the things in childhood where you feel bad about this thing for just years. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the moment you accept it, everyone's like, that's my favorite thing about you. <laughs> Honestly, that that's how I always was, TMI moment. Um, but that's how I always was about my lips. When I was a kid, really? I was always yeah. like, I have huge lips. And I would literally have days where I would like, like 
put my lips on the inside so that I wouldn't, thinking that it would make them shrink. Um, And I'd be like, oh, I'm having a quiet day. I would tell that to my mom. (laughs) I was just like hoping my (laughs) lips would shrink. And literally, I still remember like in college, the very first time I ever went and got my eyebrows done. And the woman who was doing my eyebrows, she looked at me and she's like, People pay good money for lips like those. And I was that's like, right? That's the fuck right, bitch. <laughs> and then I'm that's like, right. oh. And now to this day, I'm like, I'm so fucking glad I have the lips I do. I like my mouth, you know? But, yes, yeah. Ah, geez, the awkward years that almost ruin it for you. Yeah. Totally. And how you believe just pure lies, you yeah. know? And I I mean, like, granted, it's happened for hundreds and hundreds of years, but particularly, like, if you were kind of a, a, a woman with any features in the early aughts to now, yeah. you have gone through a whole swing of, like... Beauty standards. What, what, yeah. What's not. Yes. 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 And it's sad because I'm like, oh my gosh, life is so much better now. And life is so bad. And then you're like, but it's so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The world is worse, but we like ourselves a little bit. Yeah. I think that, you know, sadly, I, or happily, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is one of the positive things of Instagram is that I think it really did bring more bodies because when everything was being controlled by Anna Wintour and the like, you know, it was all these like real thin um, girls. And then, you know, on Instagram, you could Mm -hmm. see like when people were able to create their own content and style themselves that um, so many different bodies look amazing. It's, it also just goes, it's so tough because social media has brought so many Mm -hmm. things, but just by the media, the media as we know it, not being controlled by three white dudes yeah. and two white women. Yeah. And it being controlled by everyone else. Everything, every beauty standards changed, journalism mm-hmm. standards changed. Like everything changed because like just a voice was opened up. And it's so funny, how, not funny. It's painful how much good has come from something that also brings so much yeah. bad. But I still I still think it tips towards good and maybe I'll regret saying that. But yeah. I think it's tips towards I good. Think it, I think it does. I mean, obviously people, like bad people will use good things for bad reasons, right? Yeah. So I feel yeah, like um, the Obama campaign, because I worked on the Obama campaign in 2008. Oh my God. When I was, yeah, you know, when I was in school. I mean, I told you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> when we were at school. And, and so I think that that really harnessed the power of the internet to, in a positive way, like it really built the support yeah. for that campaign. But then the Trump people, came along and they used some of those same tactics to, you know, spread misinformation. So I feel like there's, you know, as long as there's good and bad people, there's going to be good and bad people using things for good and bad reasons. So social media is not, is just another example of something that inherently is good, but always going to exist in the world. Yeah, but it's, it's going, it's just bad people use it for bad reasons, you know. Um, okay. And actually in this moment, I'll skip forward a little bit. Another big part of this book is her deciding to cut off her hair. Yeah. And it really is, I couldn't follow the timeline too well, but it feels like it's like a year to two year thing of like, Mm -hmm. she wants to cut off her braids. Like she wants to not have to feel like her hair has to be a certain way to like uphold these like standards. And it, she finally like comes to this moment where mm-hmm. she cuts off her braids and has short hair. And, and like, is she going to be able to be seen as like beautiful by this Peloton demographic? Mm-hmm. And it's this huge, beautiful moment in her life. Yeah, I was there. I was there for that first ride. I think I even took it live. Oh, I was like, you were at the haircut? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was there. At the you know, because- Grayson Tunde. Because like she, she had like kind of teased it on her social. 
And I was just like, oh my God, I got to take this ride because I could see there. And oh so that's so cool. I, and it was, you could see her shine. I mean, she always has like, has that radiant skin, that beautiful smile and with the red lips always. So, um, but yeah, you could find, you could see more of her beauty after mm. she cut her hair. And I also belong to um, a, a Facebook group. It's called BGM. It's uh, Black Girl Magic Peloton Edition. And so uh, I remember there was just so many discussions um, when she did it, like how empowered wow. people felt about it. And and she just- Other women did it too. Yeah, yeah. She just looked so- um, Great. And, um, and she, and, and she, she's gone through many color changes too. Cause I think the first, when she first cut it, I think it might've been like blonde, but you know, now she's gone back to the natural black and I think there was like a little red moment. So yeah. It, it's such a huge deal too. And also her boyfriend. Okay. Really, really quickly. I have to talk about Johnny because she breaks up with him in the book, but he's there for the haircut. Yeah, yeah, he is. Johnny is there for the haircut. And she says, my ex-boyfriend came to the haircut, to which I said, I have never had this relationship with an ex. Like, I don't know what you guys have going on. He's like, you're beautiful. I can see all of you. Honestly, what? (laughs) It made me think about my ex. Um, he would have he would have done it. Like we we were able to Mm -hmm. stay friends. Like my um, I remember my therapist, like after I I broke up with him, we were just kind of like he she was just like you have to do no contact for 6 months and if you guys can be friends after that you guys will be friends um which was Whoa. really hard because i you know we had been together for 2 years and mm. you know i saw him literally every day like we w- we did yeah. not live together but um he would either come over or i'd go over there and so i saw him every day for 2 years and to go from that intense of a thing to nothing was so hard but it really did cleanse out whatever it was. And wow. so I was able to be friends with him and I was friends with him. So I could imagine a world where he would have been at that haircut for me. I love that. And I, yeah, I have no way to access what that would be like with an ex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I like read it and loved it. And it's like, it was clearly a beautiful relationship. It also reminded me of um, Andre Agassi making Brooke Shields come to the to shaving of his head. What? <laughs> oh, I, what I, <laughs> she didn't come to a match, but at one point he had to admit to her that he had been wearing um, long extensions and was completely bald. Oh, and he whoa. didn't do a little haircut. He was, this was Andre Agassi, like hair down to his yeah. shoulders. And he had to be like, I've been wearing a wig every day. He was wearing a wig. Oh he was, yes, full on. Wow. Every day. And when you see him in that ponytail, yeah. And yeah. so- he finally confesses to Brooke that he doesn't have a, he, he's bald and she goes with him to like the shaving of his head after they've like broken up even. Oh, so, yeah. That's <laughs> so cool. Famous people be supporting famous people. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just like, oh wow, like this was just a beautiful moment in her life and he was a beautiful person in her life, which brings us to the bad person in her life, <laughs> Brian. Brian. That was wild. wild. Brian's a real name. Rela- like these, this, this chapter about Brian was so, again, could have gone a different way. And yes. I think because of the light that surrounds Tunday, because I was like, he could have been a, me- he was a creep, but he could have been a yes. mega creep. Yeah. Yes. But, and it was, they were together a while. And it was sad yeah. too, because I was just like, 
It was yeah, sad. I, I, he can't do what he did. But then also, I was just like, but he, but he don't have nowhere to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't gotta yeah. go home, but you can't. Stay. I know he can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. To recap, to re- yeah. Please tell your listeners. Yeah. <laughs> to recap, what happened? She's with a man named Brian for for a while. Like, I, yeah. I it was a it was a couple years, and they break up, and and he's like, ugh, when do I gotta move out though? She's like, uh, now? Like, we broke up. <laughs> like, immediately. And I pay the rent. And, um... But then she felt bad a, for him. And he yeah, stuck around for, for like him. three and months. she loved him. Yeah. Yeah. And so she said, I'll give you time to move out. And I think previous to the breakup, one day she came home and she said, you've been playing video games every day. Like, mm-hmm. what about work? And he says, oh, I was fired weeks ago. And I didn't want to tell you. So that's, Literally you know, obviously... Wild. Big red flag. <laughs> and then she gives him months to move out and he just doesn't. Yeah. He just keeps not moving out until finally she makes him move out. He does. And then she would, you know, go to her family's for Thanksgiving or take a little trip or uh, she would travel a lot for work. And when she would come home, the TV would be left on National Geographic. And she would think to her, well, also red flag, but she'd be like, why? <laughs> I, I don't think I was watching this. Why did this happen? Until she finally finds out that she would post on Instagram, like, you know, on an airplane or I'm here, I'm having this meal. And then he would see that, know she was out of town and then break into her apartment and live there. Honestly, this is, I mean, not that I think that this would happen to me, but I only post after I'm already back. I don't. Yes. Exact same. Mm-mm. Exactly. You I never, never post never. while you're gone. It's this like, is for unless it's cryptic. everyone, <laughs> everyone out there. Like this isn't even for Tune Day level fame. This is just, if you're a human in this world, never post in the moment. No. That is how stalkers work. That's yeah. how they find you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And 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 then when she eventually comes home, turns the key and catches him, he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> like that's when you know someone. That's what's crazy. She walked in and he was just like, oh, did I scare you? Uh, you didn't know I'd be here? And she's <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, she came <laughs> home early from Thanksgiving. Like yeah. <gasps> yeah. And... And then, like, a few months later, there's an empty apartment above her, and people keep hearing the shower go off, and she's like, please don't be Brian. And it It is. It's Brian. Yeah. I'm like, he's full homeless? Like, what? 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 Yeah. It's just so sad. And she just kept wanting to have so much empathy for him. And, um... Love will make you do crazy things. Yeah, but because, you know, when you spend that much time with someone, you care about them as a human being. Sure, you can't sure. You can't just shut that off. But at the same time, there's only so much you can do um, without... Because um, to me, as soon as he broke into my apartment, I, I would have just been like, I got to leave here. You know, I wouldn't... I don't even think <gasps> Oh, I, I know. Stay. I'd be like, oh, I guess that's my 30-day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I can't stay here. too easy to get into. You know, I'm... <laughs> Because he opened the door with a credit card. It's not like, That's you know what wild. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. he didn't have the key. I'm like, no. she didn't have a deadbolt also? I'm like, how did he get uh, in so easily? I'm so sure. Mm, yeah. You know some so of these sure. old ass LA buildings? LA you know? apartments. That's right. Yeah. But also like, oh, 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 mm. yeah. The whole, I was so glad she got away from him, but also, and, and she, you know, she wrote about the, experience with empathy too, yeah. which is like, she did. I, I, yeah, I would have more, I think a lot more anger, but um, yeah. Whew. Yeah, I think I'd be traumatized. Traumatized, yeah. Oh my God. I'm so glad he wasn't up. creepier. Um, he just yeah. he just needed to shower and he needed Nat Geo, uh, which tells you he was what? <laughs> Smoking weed. Um, so, <laughs> that part. Yeah. Um, and so then she really talks about how she 
was an instructor for Peloton when quarantine hit, when George Floyd was murdered. Yeah. And she was there in a moment to, which is funny because I've never fully understood until actually hearing Grace, you talk about it, how these rides could be more than workout mm-hmm. classes, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, I, I think I like couldn't connect with how impactful they were, but she gets on and she gives a speech on the ride. And there's just like, she said it was one of the, at the time, like the most ridden Peloton Mm -hmm. class in history. Mm -hmm. And there's just like hundreds of people, probably hundreds of thousands of people across America listening to her Mm -hmm. and taking this ride. And she wrote some of her speech. She said, we protect ourselves from knowing the pain of others, I began, because it's painful and it's uncomfortable. It floods our senses when it's faced head on and we become overwhelmed with it. In order to be woke, in order to wake up, we must be willing to lean into it. We must be willing to lean into the discomfort. The purpose over the next 30 minutes is to lean into it, to learn from it, to change and to grow. Ultimately, from there, we speak up. And she said that the, the pain of others, that's what I wanted them to care about. There's so much artistry too in doing something so intense, but also there are rules to Peloton mm-hmm. and timeframes. And she was able to like weave it in in a way that would impact mm-hmm. people. Did, I was, yeah, even reading it, I was like, oh my God, like to be on the bike in that. Yeah. Moment. And it seemed like yeah. she understood the weight of what she would do because mm-hmm. think about that. Like so many times, I think white people are able to avoid uncomfortable moments and feelings because they're not us. And so they can sort of stay um, in that comfort if they so choose. Now, this is a workout class. So Mm -hmm. it's a place where, you know, a lot of different, you know, frankly, Peloton is mostly white people who ride Peloton. So she... Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but I had assumed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if she had to ride that line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, when she talks about getting ready for it, the how she didn't sleep for like three days and she wasn't eating, like she was just like, I think she understood that she could reach people in this very specific moment um, where we were actually as a country processing race for the first time in my life that it felt like so many people were actually engaged in it. And so I feel like she felt the weight of that moment. And I think she just rose to the occasion and was able to push people physically. And like, that is the, like, it's rated one of the hardest rides, frankly. It's like rated like a nine out of 10. And usually most rides are are like live between a seven and a, you know, 8.5 or something like that. So she was pushing people physically, as she talks about in the book, um, to stay in the physical discomfort to sort of like mimic what it feels to be a black person a lot. And so I was just like, oh, what a brilliant thing to be able to do. And it's still up there. Um, I haven't been able to take it yet because I feel like it would be triggering to me. But I think that you know, reading some of the words that she, um, you know, said in it was, I was like, oh, this is, yeah, sis was doing it. Yeah. I think a lot about, like, I wrote in Late Night for a long Mm -hmm. time. And you would write these episodes about social justice. And at the end of the day, I'd sometimes think, like, (laughs) to who? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's nobody who listened tonight Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. didn't already agree or didn't already know this. And it's such a the 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 people she was reaching and and the way she was able to get in this moment where like stuff doesn't cut through yeah. like 
And thank God she was there and like had this platform and like was given it by them. Mm-hmm. And, and used and also, it. Yeah, and used it. Because and, it takes a lot of courage to actually say, I might alienate people. And she did. And she's like, but I might get through to others. And she did, you know? Yeah. It's like to yeah. risk your platform. Um, yeah. Really yeah. And, and she did it. And what she also expressed that I rarely see expressed a lot is when the white people said to her, because like sometimes I feel like white people don't understand, like sometimes when they tell us about racism or how they have felt before <laughs> or like what their mama said or their sister said, mm-hmm. you might think that, oh, I'm bonding with this black person because I'm acknowledging that racism exists and a lot of white people don't acknowledge that racism exists. But sometimes it's painful to hear that because it's like, yeah, sometimes it's hard to hear that, oh, your grandmother would hate me on site. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. and so when that um, white woman on the, in the comments was like, you know, I wouldn't have ever taken a ride with you because you don't look like me or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love that she didn't just say, that was brave of that woman to say and not center herself in that. I was so happy that she was just like, that really stung me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was just like, I feel like sometimes we are attuned to the anger that comes with racism or the, um, you know, correcting someone or whatever. But I think sometimes maybe as a productive things, we don't always acknowledge how it hurts us. So I was really happy that she put that in the book that, yeah, that woman said that. And yeah, it was good that she acknowledged that to herself and in a public place where other people could actually um, uh, see it and acknowledge their own prejudices. But also, I love that she acknowledged that that was painful for her as well. Yeah. It doesn't come without a cost. Like when you decide to speak up, um, as a black person, most people will call you say that you're pulling a race card or that you're, you know, there's so many accusations. So I just read that chapter and was like, I'm so proud of you because you risked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she'd even talked about how before getting the job, she'd scrubbed her account of anything that could be seen as activist or mm-hmm. quote unquote too black, matter. which I also really loved her including that too mm-hmm. of like, yeah, it was very honest. Kind of like her. what was in the air of like the Peloton brand, like how you had to hide yourself in order to get there, which also kind of spoke to the risk too, because she had even removed it and now she was going to go full in. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was it was a really really moving part of the mm-hmm. book. Um, and then from there, she moves into she goes through so much more loss. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She loses her dad, and then uh, shortly after, her mom, mm-hmm. and she had already lost her brother. And I want to read what she wrote about it. She said. When you lose someone, people tell you that one day you'll be okay again, that you'll redefine yourself around the absence of your loved one. After I lost my mom, three years after my dad, and six years after my brother, I knew I needed to allow myself to grieve. I took two months off work. People checked in on me, but I didn't want to respond. I was unapologetic about taking the time I needed. I was down. I wasn't myself. I wasn't the same friend or colleague. Losing my parents brought with it two interwoven reactions. First, I wondered who I belonged to. Who would be proud of me? Who was I working to please? Who would celebrate my accomplishments with me? And then I felt a release from the responsibility, a kind of freedom. If I messed up, there was nobody to let down. I didn't have to fear disappointing them. 
and I didn't have to worry about their well-being anymore. There was nobody watching me. After all this tragedy, I could coast. If I was a bad friend, my friends would understand. If I didn't show up at work, people would understand. Mm. (sighs) I love being able to hold both of those emotions because they're both true. It's like I belong to no one is both freeing and like grief stricken, you know, to be like, oh, I'm not accountable to anyone and no one's looking out for me. And to hold both of those things as like an adult orphan, you know, because that's what she was. Um, and, And we don't get to explore that a lot, especially Black people who had two loving, involved parents. You don't get to hear that side of it a lot. And getting to hear it um, from her was really moving. And I just love, I love all the moments in the book where she like really explored the the two sides of the coin, the depths of the emotion around an incident. And this was one that, that really resonated mm-hmm. um, because it was about her and it wasn't about the world. It was more like about something deeply personal. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, me too. It it was, whew, that actually kind of, sorry, I cheered up a little bit when you were talking. Um, <laughs> it, um, yeah. Yeah, it's sometimes so hard to read about loss, but when it's done in the way she did it, you kind of move through it as with she moves her. through it. Yeah. But you've already spent the book like falling in love with her mom and yeah. her dad and her whole family. And to know that she had to go through all of that while she's, the book is broken up time-wise in a way where I didn't always know yeah. where the moments were, but yeah. I I know she lost her mom while she's on this journey of becoming a Peloton instructor. So she's like going through all these things at the exact same time mm-hmm. as she's climbing, which was also like very awe-inspiring. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 for me, it just brought us, I don't know. Sometimes when I read these things, you know, it just, it it does trigger that kind of internal fear of like yeah. having to like deal with that someday in my own family. And mm-hmm. so it was really beautiful to see how she dealt with it. But it also made me be like, I don't want to deal with that anytime soon, if possible, please. Oh, for please, sure. Please. I completely, completely, completely. It's it, it, yeah. And yeah, it can be very hard to like read for those reasons mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, uh, and, and the, I will say the, the only, the only foul play I'm gonna call in this book is that I'm like, you know, I'm reading this, I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And then um, and then uh, she goes into a section where it says, life changes gears in an instant. Sometimes the chain catches. And I was like, oh no. I know. And she like really goes through like loss and grief through a bike metaphor. And that was the one where I was like, I will step off for this part. But I still love you very much. The bike, Chelsea? I I will unplay my little (laughs) juicy. I said, I love you, but not, not, uh, yes, I, here is where I end my ride. Yeah, Um, I was like, did Peloton make her do that? Yeah, who did this? Who did this? I know you don't love bikes that much. Um, And then um, we come to sort of the run out of the book and she talks about how, you know, she's really writing it in the the end of the pandemic. Why did I say the end? We're still in it. Um, In hell, yes. In the middle of the pandemic. In the middle of the pandemic. Um, (laughs) She said she's, you know, it slowed everything down and, and and the fear of going out in New York City and... She wrote about this really funny thing about uh, how she always said she wanted 
uh, to get chose by a man. And my friend Jessica used to joke about it every time she saw me. She'd ask, you still trying to get chose? And as she was going through the book, I, I don't know if you guys had this, but I started to get really nervous that on the last page it would be like, and then I met Bob. You know, yes, and I was like, because no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, I, I could tell there was only a few pages left, and I was like, are we gonna? And it ended so beautifully. She talked about freezing her eggs and yeah. mm-hmm. um, talking about what she wants in life and who she wants in her life and like what she's gonna do mm-hmm. um, about it, and and joking about getting chose, and and then. That's kind of like how the book goes out. But I got afraid for a second. I did too. Every female memoir that involves dating a number of men, I'm always like, and then it ends like Sex and the City. Once she gets hitched, the series is over. And then yes! literally the fact that it didn't end with that made me like it even more. Yeah. 100%. I will say, I won't say names, but I've read a couple of memoirs where just like that, right? Yeah. At the very end, it's like, and then... Trevor, and he is everything, <laughs> the end, and you look him up, and like, he gone. You know what I mean? Like, tre- Trevor's, Trevor Trevor Trevor. Trevor. Oh, Elizabeth yeah, Gilbert. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a big one. That's a, that's a big one. Uh, he, I mean, the whole, you know, I'm okay going in on her and that one, Eat, Pray, Love. I mean, he is the third oh my and God. second act of the movie, and he gone. gone. I literally uh, had to break, to break that to a friend last week. She did not <laughs> oh, know. Man. No, I was just like, no, oh, she's not no. the Brazilian guy that cured her personality. Like, <laughs> I was like, sorry, um, yeah, girl. <laughs> I know, I know. I even feel like she do, she was dating. She she kept it out of the book and she talked about loving herself and choosing herself. And I thought it was really nice. Yeah, I love that too. It was such, such a good book. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was like real, like inspirational, like beach lit, but also in its own way, very, very deep. Yeah. It was yes. such a readable book, but very deep. And I feel like yes. that is what I get from Toon Day. It's like depth, but joy. Like I, I yeah. feel like that's how I experience her. And that's kind of the reason, like I only really ride with her. Like every so often I'll yeah. let somebody else slip in there. Um, but she is the person, like I, like when I ride with other people, I'm just like, I feel like I'm cheating on two days. <laughs> like, I love that. So, uh, so yeah, I, I am, um, oh, and I, and you know, while preparing for this podcast, I learned that the book was a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Um, which I did not know. And so, yeah, I'm just so happy for her journey. And I, I hope that she just gets everything she wants and, I think she totally will. By the way, thank you for preparing for the podcast. Um, <laughs> we end every podcast with something I call the book dull test. Ooh, uh, the book dull test has three questions. The first question is, uh, did the author share her truth? What do you yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I say 100%. Mm-hmm. Second question, was it entertaining to read? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. the boyfriend chapter alone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I really did feel like it was Peloton class in a book. Like you're up, you're going, you're changing your life, you're changing careers, you're getting inspired, you're getting deep, you're coming down. Like I, it I felt hurts. It. it feels yes. good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the last question is: Did reading this book elevate your life in some way? Yes. Yes. Yes, it did. I love yeah. the that for me it was the section about like thinking you were supposed to get something and then you didn't and then how you bounce back from that. That yeah. was the part that I was like, oh, I've never heard someone talk about that sureness of getting yeah. a gift and then it doesn't come through and what you do. And I was like, ooh, I needed it was like how you wrote in the margin, Chelsea, like I needed to hear this today. Yeah, yeah for me yeah. it was like just the eldest daughter. You know what I'm mm. saying? I don't know if she's the eldest, yeah. but I am 
the one girl in my family and just so yeah. many of the things and having immigrant parents. Like, so there's yeah. just like yeah, a lot of, of, I mean, yeah. Nigerian from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, there was a lot <laughs> yeah. of parallels um, that I found with my life. Like the way that Tunde moves through life is similar in many ways, the way I move through life. Do you feel, because when I was reading this, I was like mad at how deeply, it was similar to what you said, Chelsea, about Grace, where I was like, man, if I met Tunde in an organic way somewhere, we would be best friends because we have so (laughs) much like to talk about. And then I was like, I bet everyone who takes her damn class feels this way. And I felt like a fangirl. Like, do you feel like, you would just know her. Like if you if you actually got to sit oh, and talk yeah. with her, like you guys would just connect. And I'm like, I felt that so deeply and then was like, so does everyone who takes her class. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Maybe. So I, I mean, stay away from her. We're cool girls. I think she would like us. I think she's going to come over to your houses real soon. I That's what I'm happen. feeling. Is that, your, is that a blue light moment? Is that a blue light moment? <laughs> I blue light moment. Oh, that Tunde's going to come I to my house. for you. <laughs> um, I, I love it. I, I am so glad uh, you guys brought this book into my life because of my Peloton prejudice. I am, I Me am too. Like, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I am a little mad because I know I'm going to try Peloton again. I know uh, it. Um, you're going to love it this time. But I, I'm going to be, but I feel like, yeah, I do feel inspired by that. And also it, it elevated uh, my life. I think the part I needed to hear was um, just being ready and not needing the moment right away. I mean, she was ready for her mm-hmm. moment long yeah. before it ever came in, in multiple occasions, right. including the several of the reality shows that came about. <laughs> so I do think she'll be on a reality show one day too. I mean, hey, you guys, maybe y'all join in a house. This is what's okay. coming. Okay. okay. All right. Crashing with the oh, antidote. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love yes. it. Um, speaking of, tell everyone more things about your podcast, where to find you on social media, everything. Yes, our podcast is called The Antidote. It's available wherever you get podcasts. And the premise of it is basically the world is a dumpster fire. So we're here to make you feel better. We talk about the bummer news of the week and then the things that made us feel better are antidotes for the week. Yeah. And you can find it at The Antidote Pod on all socials. That's the with two E's. Oh my gosh, this is really the perfect podcast. I just got a hankering for it. And I'm on a podcast with you. Um, you guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for having this, us. This was, this was so fun. This was awesome. I'm so glad um, Grace introduced me to Tune Day and we introduced you to Tune Day. That and you magical. introduced me to Grace. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's called a hat trick. Just on the way out. <laughs> That's all for this week's episode. If you enjoy the podcast and you want more episodes, we give you bonus episodes on the Patreon for what? Just a dollar a month. That's right. If you just pay a dollar a month, you get the extra Celebrity Book Club episode that drops every month. And that money goes to support the podcast, keeps us reading juicy books. There's also a $5 a month option and some higher tiers for the hardcore cookies who want to do a private book club every month. That's available on Patreon. It is linked in the show notes. We also have a Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast on Facebook. I'm always on Instagram at Chelsea Devantes. That's where I recap the books and post a bunch of fun things during the week. We have our little digital book club over there. And a huge shout out to our producer, Kate Downey, and our episode engineer, DJ Bouncy House. They keep the podcast popping. And we will see you guys next week for another great book.